Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. I saw everybody else out there racing to get their Anthony Davis podcast up on the internet (laughs) as fast as possible. Yeah, we might be a little late here because of some scheduling concerns, but I promise the Open Floor Globe, we've got at least an hour of Anthony Davis heaters ready for them, don't you think? Yeah, that's the plan. You know, I think that we should just keep it to Anthony Davis because we're finally here. All the speculation is finally paying off after talking about this for the last two years. This is now a mainstream story. So we should just focus on Anthony Davis. I did really enjoy how late we were <laughs> because literally every other podcast in in existence called an emergency podcast and got it up there on monday well, and we andrew just, we had you, things going on <laughs> you can't blame them this is a hijacking i mean we're at, we're watching a criminal act take place in public the lakers are trying to steal anthony davis before the trade deadline um there may be more layers to it but i think that's the basic uh you know gist of the situation and you know i i'm excited to be honest i i still have the energy for monday morning three days later well, can I be honest with you? Because I'm less excited. I, like, well, surprise, surprise! You're a Celtics fan. You're you're, you're nervous. <laughs> you're sweating bullets that you're gonna have to watch Gordon Hayward as part of your big three for the next three years. No, no, no. It's just you know I've already been kind of like seeing the Matrix with Anthony Davis for the last year and a half, and I've spent all this time playing out five or six different hypotheticals and trying to figure out what's going on. And now I feel like everyone is doing that, which is great. I'm, I'm glad to welcome everybody to wow, the party. Wow, you're so early. Wow, cool. <laughs> I, oh, I boy. Think, Must be no, so boring for you. Okay. I really I really think I'm like that hipster music fan who's now just like, all right, I'm over it. Now that everybody wants to talk about this shit, let's just move on. Um, and, it's, and part of it is like we still have no idea what's really happening. And I think, you know, we can say that about a number of different factors here. But like, number one... We have no idea who is running the Pelicans right now and whether Dell Demps is even taking calls on this trade stuff. I mean, David Meneman reported that he's not, which seems implausible, but like that's a, that's typical of the uncertainty that we're dealing with in like every single setting here, whether it's you know what the Celtics are offering, what the Knicks are willing to offer, where Anthony Davis wants to play. And there's just so much unknown that um, I feel like when everybody is talking about it, we we kind of like hit a breaking point within an hour because it's like, all right, well, why don't we just wait and see, like wait for things to actually shake out? Yeah, I mean, when I was going through the whole process of trying to put myself in the head of all these main characters, whether it's Dell Demps or Magic Johnson, Anthony Davis, Rich Paul, the trickiest guy is definitely Dell Debs because you look at his track record and there's just no rhyme or reason to anything he's done down there. So you can't like, you know, concoct a clear strategy about how he would approach this situation. So I actually found myself coming up with my own strategy if I was in his shoes. And then unfortunately coming to the conclusion after the end of that mental exercise that he will probably do the exact opposite. But if I was Dell Debs, not only would I be taking phone calls, I would be operating as if I plan to trade Anthony Davis before the deadline. That would be my number one goal, trade him by the deadline. If a really strong offer did not emerge, if the Lakers were playing games and not giving you the entire kitchen sink, if none of these other rental teams showed up um, to kind of blow you away with the surprise offer to try to use Anthony Davis to, to boost their championship hopes this season, then okay, default to the summer. But to me, I think the urgency and the honesty has to be there from the Pelican side because this Anthony Davis thing, like you mentioned, you're not the only one who's been, you know, looking ahead and trying to read the tea leaves for months. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I trying it, to imply that I am. I no, no, no. I, no, I'm not trying to undercut you either. I'm just saying like this has hung over their franchise for years, right? I mean, yeah. if there is one real common thread for the Pelicans, it's like we have to put something together around Anthony. We're in scramble mode and they've been like that for years. And I think there's a real value to them if they're able to trade them before the deadline of just changing the story and moving forward and getting on with their business. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I think it depends on what they're looking for. Um, And I I don't know, 
to me, it seems like this season is shot regardless, and you could probably there like the offers are going to be there in June or July, just the same. And um, if if waiting until June and July creates another bidder in the Celtics, and also potentially adds another bidder in the Knicks, and we'll get to the Knicks. I don't understand why the Knicks aren't loading up to get Anthony Davis at the deadline. That that's the team. That should be going all in. And when, by the way, when we talk about unknowns, the one team that is a very much a known entity in all of this is the Lakers because they are the thirstiest team in the league. They're currently getting run off the floor by the Sixers and everybody else they're playing. Uh, but this, the, I don't, I don't agree with you that this, that this Pelican should just do it to get it done. Okay, let, uh, everybody agrees with options. you though. Everybody yeah, agrees it, with it, you. It, That's the, the smart person take, take because it's the right take. <laughs> So let me flesh out why they should do it. Here are the benefits of doing it. So first of all, you have the finality aspect, right? This has been hanging for uh, years. Obviously, it's cast a shadow over this entire season. And if you pull the plug on Anthony Davis now, you can pull the plug completely. So it's not just a matter of trading him for whatever you can get from the Lakers. Um, It's a, a chance to trade Miritich. It's a chance to trade Randall. It's a chance to shop Drew Holiday. It's a chance to try to get a second-round pick for Etwan Moore. I mean, you could really sell off and tank pretty hard. Get yourself into the Zion sweepstakes. And depending on which of those— that, I would do all that now, though. I, like, trade Miritich, trade Randall. I don't know if they can trade Drew at the deadline. He's got a lot of money left on his deal. And yeah, like, that's that, another but, thing where— I agree, like, but— oh, you... poor Drew Holiday. He's making, like, 30 $35 million a year. But— um, why why couldn't you do that and then hold on to Anthony Davis and, and find the right deal in June or July? Uh, because again, your whole franchise is going to be in stasis just waiting for that trade. So all these other pieces you'd be getting back, the young players and everything else, they're all looking around, sitting on eggshells, wondering like, what's the direction of this franchise? Uh, I think the Kawhi Leonard situation is instructive. I think there's been other situations where you've got players where, you know, if they're injured, for example, and you don't know exactly when they're coming back, everyone just kind of sits there almost paralyzed, waiting for a resolution. And it winds up being, uh, you know, a complete distraction and, and detracting from your team's ability to move forward. I think the Pelicans just need to be done with this Anthony Davis thing. I mean, Davis is clearly done with them. I've heard all this idea of, oh, just shut Davis down for the rest of the season and, and, and proceed that way. I think that's such a terrible look for their organization after the way he's been very, very respectful to them over these years, never raising a fuss, never trying to force his way out before now. I think that to a certain degree, they owe Anthony Davis to move him. And I also think it's in their own best interests to get out in front of this so you can have uh, you know a future. I mean, if you're just going to continue to try to tell your fans, hey, uh, we're going to trade him eventually. Uh, we, we think we're going to do it. It wasn't the right moment. Uh, why are they going to show up to games this season? Why are they going to buy season tickets going forward? Uh, and why should they you know, care about anything that you're doing? Give them something to root for. Give them uh, a clear direction, even if that means not having your best player. Uh, give them a sense that you know where you're going as a team. Th- those are yeah. the benefits to me of trading him. Well, I think we agree on the idea that they need a clear direction. And I think that starts with Demps and what he's empowered to do what like Mickey Loomis who's the Saints GM who is somehow in charge of the Pelicans and has been for the last couple years and I I mean that whole situation is such a mess that I would spend the next couple weeks getting that sorted and I wouldn't worry about trading Anthony Davis right now and wait until the summer and then you're right like they there does need to be coherence that you can sell coherence that you can communicate to the players left behind whether it's drew holiday or whoever else they have down there can i tell you my my single favorite development from all this over the past few days yes please so we're going to talk about my fantasy team for 30 seconds team sharp has not had a very good year it's been up and down you know, I've cut and and signed Rodney Hood about four different times. Um, I traded four players for one to get Steph Curry in an impulsive move uh, about a month ago, and so it's just been a it's been a roller coaster ride. But let me tell you, over the last two weeks, Jaleel Okafor has single handedly <laughs> saved my fantasy basketball season, and this trade demand bodes very well for where team sharp is headed because jaleel is gonna eat in new orleans i'm loving it 
Um, uh, would, would you say that his breakout here is proof that AD is just a system player, though? <laughs> exactly, exactly. AD is all hype. Jaleel is going to really lead the future, anchor the new era in New Orleans. Um, I'm very excited about it. And also, one other kind of conspiracy theory that I was thinking of um, over the last couple days, and when we talk about like the ownership situation... We've talked about how much more Gail Benson cares about the, the Saints on this podcast. Is there any chance you could see her being motivated to make an Anthony Davis trade to upstage a Rams Super Bowl win? So like 15 minutes after the Rams win the Super Bowl, they trade Anthony Davis to try to steal their headlines. Well, presumably she's not trading them to the Lakers in that scenario, right? Well, maybe she would be. Maybe she would be saying, look, you guys are the the second fiddle team in your town. This is going to become a Lakers story. Enjoy (laughs) your parade being canceled because Clutch Sports is going to be hosting it downtown. I think you've twisted these NFL NBA conspiracies too far, but that's another reason (laughs) why she should trade them. She came out and said, if Anthony Davis wants out, we're not going to stand in his way. That was her statement a month ago. Remember, I made a big deal about that because I was waiting and waiting for this public trade request from Anthony Davis. Well, now it's here. If she doesn't trade him, now the narrative begins. Oh, are you holding him hostage? Oh, you're not an owner who stands by you know what she says. You're, you're going to say one thing and do another. If I'm the Pelicans and you already have all these PR you know problems in terms of you know not being able to sell out your arena, trying to build some local buzz, you know falling out of the playoff picture and all of this stuff. Now you've got to deal with these questions about whether you're a straight shooter at the top. Again, yeah. I mean, she she's the one who walked herself down that path, and I think she should stick to what she said. Well, listen, I agree with you that they do owe it to Anthony Davis to trade him this summer, and the idea that they should hold on to him through next year's trade deadline, like that's crazy to me. But they also owe it to themselves to get the best deal here and give themselves a chance to actually stay in New Orleans because, like, this is this is going to be a franchise defining move, and. Um, and if I were them, what I would be doing is leaking to reporters that, you know, talks with the Lakers are heating up and we really do like Lonzo Ball and we really do like Kyle Kuzma and, you know, we, we're looking for some picks in the 2020s as kind of like a, a sweetener and, and make it look like the Lakers are closer than they actually are and see if you can get kind of some panic offers from someone like the Nuggets or someone like the Nets or the Clippers, like see what you can get. Uh, like there, it's so if Dell Dams really isn't taking calls this week, that's a mistake as well. Uh, but well, I also wouldn't feel any pressure to, to do this in the next eight days. Uh, I think that they should make the best possible faith effort to do it, and I think the real concern here is if they don't. If they drag their feet, then the other hammer is waiting, which is Rich Paul and Anthony Davis saying, "Look." Not only are we requesting a trade, but he only wants to play for the Lakers. Now what? And well, all well, these other teams well. that are interested in trying to get in, like you're describing, are going to fizzle out, you know, pretty quickly unless you've got some, you know, real live wire like a Masai Ujiri who's ready to just risk it all and and you know throw caution to the wind. <laughs> but in terms of waiting until the summer, like I I get that idea in principle, but. Yeah, It all boils down to me is whether Boston's actually going to put Tatum into this package. If I'm Boston, I'm not putting Jason Tatum into an Anthony Davis trade package. doesn't matter if I could do it now legally. doesn't matter if I could do it in July. I just wouldn't do it. And the best what? the best asset would be uh, Jalen Brown. And so if I'm, if I'm New Orleans and I don't know for sure that Tatum's going to be a potential piece on the table, then why am I waiting? Well, if I'm New Orleans and Danny Ainge says in early February that Tatum is going to be on the table, I don't know if I 100% trust that that offer is going to be there in June or July. I mean, well, Dell might not be there in June or July. Well, <laughs> I know. So that's the that's my whole point. Like, work out the the Deb situation, the Mickey Loomis situation, whoever the hell is running things down there. Figure out a plan there. Um, I th- to, we'll, to be we'll honest, come back to the Tatum thing. I the, think that's the a best crazy move plan. for Dell here might be to just resign you know <laughs> would that be the best move <laughs> i mean you know I'm, not, I'm not advocating it but if you're in his position you've tried for years to build around anthony davis you can see the writing on the wall you had to issue this press release saying oh everybody's tampering uh, you know i have to kind of like get your uh, lodge your public complaints 
I mean, if you're just not going to answer your phone and you're not going to try to improve your organization, isn't it time to just step away? <laughs> I think that might be an extreme move at a moment of crisis. Um, but I do think that most of NBA Twitter reacted to David Stern's quote in the Chris Ballard profile. I have no idea. All the months kind of blur together, but I feel like that was like a couple months ago. Chris wrote that story and David David Stern was talking about like, uh, you know, Dell Demps has done a terrible job for the last 10 years and he's about to lose Anthony Davis. And all sorts of people on Twitter got like started wringing their hands and saying this is unbecoming of the commissioner and he needs to apologize. And the Pelicans demanded an official apology. And it's like, you know what? It was 100% facts from David Stern. And if you actually look at the moves that Dell Debs has made in New Orleans. I don't feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for the team. And, you know, we could move on because a lot of people have hit this point. But it's just like they've so badly mismanaged the bottom of that roster. They've had some bad luck with injuries at the top. But, like, Dell Debs, this is a guy who kind of transparently, openly, just does not care about the draft, and it shows. And, um, so this is a team that definitely does not like. I I don't feel any sympathy for them. Yeah, I mean he signed Omar Ashik to the deal he signed up to, and somehow kept his job. You know, and the whole thing down there is it's, it's Grunfeldian down there. Yeah, and the other thing too, I mean, you hate to say, oh, you know, they're not on the same level as some of these other organizations, but they're not. Like I was down there when they traded for Demarcus Cousins, right? That's like the most exciting day that they probably had. Yeah. since drafting Davis, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's like the biggest move in five years. They can't even host the, the press conference at their own facility because they don't have room for it. So they have to go next door to the Saints facility. You know, it's like, all right, you know, it just it sets this tone of, okay, how seriously are you taking this whole thing? And so I think there's real questions here. I mean, it, to me, it's a, a reputation-making uh, move, for, for Dems, you know, I think that all the scrutiny should be on him. <laughs> Dems. I don't know. I think you might be right that it's that ship has probably already sailed. Um, no, but I'm saying how he handles this, how he brings this home is going to define their next five to seven years as a franchise. Right. And so one yeah. option on the table is you can get four Lakers prospects, multiple first round picks. You can sell off the other guys, get some picks there uh, and retool fairly quickly. The other option is hide in your office, don't take any offers, pray that Jason Tatum becomes available in July, potentially have to shut down Anthony Davis in the in the meantime and kind of go more scorched earth or hardball with it. Uh, I just know which way I would go. That's all I'm saying. I think I would go the opposite way, though, because if you can shut down Anthony Davis and, and start to trade off assets like we talked about earlier, you could actually bottom out and have a decent shot at your own top five pick while also potentially adding another top five pick, whether it's from the Knicks or, or top 10 if from the Celtics. Like, you will have some bullets, and um, that's not the worst way to begin a new era. Yeah, but it's totally on bad top faith. Of what other, what it's totally it's bad, bad faith, though. Because you're saying, oh, Anthony Davis, thanks for being such a loyal soldier and never going public with how much we've done a bad job for years. Now you have to go home. Not only do you miss the playoffs, but you don't even get to play because we're trying to protect you and exploit every little bit of value we can get out of you on your way out the door. That's the kind of franchise I would never, ever want to play for if I was a free agent. Yeah, I I think that Anthony Davis... Tough shit, <laughs> you know, respectfully. I, you can't demand a trade and and expect to get it done within two weeks. And Anthony Davis came in and said, and said, and, and again, we've talked about how well he's handled this whole thing. He's He was committed to be in New Orleans through the entire year, and it, and it hasn't worked out on the court this year, but that doesn't mean that the team suddenly now has to turn around and, and trade him or risk tarnishing whatever reputation the Pelicans front office may have had before this um but listen let's move on and talk about potential destinations obviously we're just going to kind of jump around today talk about all angles here uh but ben before we do that today's podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks options cryptos all commission-free, while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. 
Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. You can view easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned the charts and market data. That's not all. You can also view stock collections, which are grouped together in categories like the 100 most popular. So you can find uh, you know different avenues for your investing that might make sense for you specifically. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover the new stocks like I mentioned, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications on your phone for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Open Floor a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. That's right, a blue chip stock for the blue bubble gang. Sign up at floor.robinhood.com. That's floor.robinhood.com for your free stock. There we go, floor.robinhood.com. All right, Ben, let's talk about various possibilities here. Um, yeah, let's not beat around the bush. Dell needs to trade Anthony Davis because I can't watch these Lakers anymore. <laughs> Can I? I want to start with one email, and we don't have very many emails, but I will say um, Jorge says, LeBron just invented DNPTP, parentheses, tampering. So LeBron and AD both sitting out, and then Anthony Davis requests a trade. Let me ask you something. On the LeBron side, is everyone just being respectful here and and not talking about like the possibility that he just flat out quit on this season until they made a deal? Ooh. Because to me, it seems like pretty egregious and we're all just kind of cool with it. I, I don't understand why he isn't taking more heat. Well, it's not just this whole idea of DMP tampering between LeBron and AD. I don't know if you noticed this, but during one of the Lakers games uh, this past week, uh, LeBron was like tweeting about Carmelo and how he was at the Madison Square Garden during the game, right? And then he's also doing all these videos with Kyrie Irving. So like his flirtation with his friends is going up to 11 during this absence. You just got to wonder if you're one of these young Lakers players, right? You're seeing yeah. the rumors about your coach being in trouble. You're seeing LeBron tweet to millions of people about a guy who's not even on your own team during one of your games where you're getting smoked. Uh, you've got to just be wondering, like, is this guy ever coming back? It's <laughs> like, terrible. No, it's toxic. <laughs> like, seriously. And, and we don't, I'm not generally the guy on this podcast that likes to kind of like lecture people. But oh, um, who would that be? <laughs> yeah, no shots, no shots. Um, but like, come on, this is ridiculous. He could probably play. He he'll probably play on Thursday. I bet he'll be playing on Saturday in uh, San Francisco against the Warriors. And it just seems like this is kind of a, a flagrant move from him to just sit out for six weeks during a crucial stretch of the Lakers schedule. Yeah, I mean, he has gotten very lucky that he can take this slow because they're still on that bubble it's not like they've fallen five games off the pace so even though they haven't played very well at all it's been really choppy you know the 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 other night against Philadelphia they had more turnovers in the first quarter than made baskets you know it's just like come on this isn't even basketball we're just throwing the ball into the stands and and basically as a cry for help or a cry for LeBron's return it's Um, bad well and look you and I talked before the season. I don't think I said it on this podcast. I think I went. No, you on... did. You did. I remember. Go yeah. ahead. Well, Toot your own horn. Take a little victory lap because LeBron's coming back and he's going to, you know, average probably 35 and, and 10 down the stretch to get them in the playoffs and call himself, you know, the savior. <laughs> but go ahead and take your victory lap here midseason. No, I, I did say that there was a non-zero chance LeBron could get halfway through this Lakers season and just decide nah, I'm going to shut it down and wait till I get some help next summer. And that has sort of been what we've seen. And maybe he will get it in the next two weeks. Maybe not. Um, But it just, to me, it rubs me the wrong way. The Kyrie video, you know, like imagine Jordan 
recording a video like no, that come on. A, Don't a even... year and a half after Scottie Pippen demanded a trade off the Bulls. Like, it's insane and, to me Andrew, that that's don't, just Don't normal. blaspheme. Look, I understand right now it's very clear both sides of the open floor natives are restless. Like, we need LeBron back. There, We've reached our breaking point. We're both very upset about it. But don't yeah. blaspheme Jordan and try to throw him into this conversation like he I'm would not, ever do no. any of this stuff. Don't well, do and that, And you know Andrew. what's funny? You know what's funny? I don't want to blaspheme LeBron either because – when I first saw that Kyrie video, I was like, wow, this is like the thirstiest shit I've ever seen. And it's in part because, you know, LeBron's been kind of off the radar and he knew that he could just mention Kyrie on Instagram and get immediate headlines all over media. And so he just did it. And that's how I read it at the time. And I was like, this is sad. You're, You're pretending to be friends with a guy who stabbed you in the back a year and a half ago and blah, blah, blah. However... Maybe it'll work. Like, I, LeBron, his power works in ways that I don't really understand sometimes. And maybe Kyrie really does want to play with LeBron. Uh, credible people are saying that he does. And, and it's not just the, the Rick Bucher, Bleacher Report stuff. You're like, there, there are murmurs all over the place that this is something that he would be interested in, which yeah, is insane I'm, to me. I, but... I'm still skeptical of that. I'm still really skeptical of that idea. Yeah, uh, my only point is like, write LeBron off at your own peril. So while I'm criticizing the way he's handled this, like it, he could be playing chess. They could have Anthony Davis in yeah. six days. And is that so, what it boils down to, though? It's like this is the test for LeBron right here. If he the successfully, really high. If he successfully recruits Anthony Davis, everything is forgiven, right? Like he he will have made it worth it if he comes back and carries them. Like I was mentioning in the savior role most of what he's doing right now will be forgiven. If he doesn't, if he strikes out on Anthony Davis and, you know, Anthony Davis winds up going somewhere else, either at the deadline or next summer, uh, he is going to have to wear that just like he wore the Paul George situation and the Kawhi situation. I mean, to me, those were real blemishes in terms of LeBron's reputation around the league, not being able to land those guys last summer, because it was so obvious that uh, they would have been great fits and would have set up kind of this titanic struggle between the Warriors and the Lakers. For both those guys basically to not give the Lakers a look, uh, it spoke not only about the Lakers organization and where they were in their development, but it also spoke about LeBron. And it that's why I'm a li- and I'm dubious about this whole Kyrie thing too, because this guy loves the attention. Uh, <laughs> there's no question about it. This is a great way to get attention. And, you know, if, if he doesn't go there, then uh, it's not like he owes LeBron at this stage of his career because he's already walked away once. Yeah, um, I agree. And the the caveat I would add to what you said about the Anthony Davis side is that his powers are, are limited or appear like they should be. I mean, like... I don't know. You can't just force another team to trade you their superstar, their perennial MVP candidate for pennies on the dollar, which is basically what the Lakers are offering. And uh, I mean, that. so if he can pull it off, it will be the most impressive chess move of LeBron's career. And we've been saying that for months now. It's like, look, it, this could be like the coup de grace after a, a, like 10 years of kind of working the meta game of the NBA and NBA free agency to perfection and, and honestly like revolutionizing it in some ways. Like we got a, a bunch of questions about the Rich Paul connection and LeBron's ties to clutch sports. I think whatever that relationship is, is going to be a one of one thing. And, and this has all sort of like come together bef- without the NBA truly appreciating like the implications and, um, it will never be allowed to, to happen like this again, but they've already sort of come too far to suddenly act now and try to intervene and police whatever that relationship is. And because, like, obviously, LeBron may not have any official financial ties or financial stake in clutch sports, but uh, it's it's kind no, of a shady Andrew, thing. No, <laughs> we, can, we can drop the pretenses, okay? I'm at these Lakers games. Rich Paul sits courtside. Last night he was with Kendall Jenner. Sitting courtside, dapping up the players, getting, you know, love from the assistant coaches. I mean, he he conducts himself like a shadow GM. You know what I mean? That's really the only way to put it. And so it's incredibly shady. The NBA has no real motivation to intervene. If Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers, that's like the greatest thing for for Adam Silver. I mean, he's going to have to apologize for six months about competitive balance and all that. 
but they're going to be cashing the jersey sales and the TV ratings just like everybody else. So, uh, yeah, I think that they're all in kind of in the same Illuminati. Here's a funny scenario, though, because we got a question uh, from our buddy Valdemar in Denmark, and he wanted to know what's the best spite trade that New Orleans could pull off here to anger AD and Rich Paul. And I was thinking about this and, you know, we're, we're sort of hinting at how dark it could get for the Lakers. Can you imagine if the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis for, say, like Tobias Harris, Shea Gilgis Alexander, like three first round picks, like Montrez Harrell or something like that to the Clippers, right? So that the Lakers not only miss out on Chris Paul and their fans are still upset about that basically seven years later, but then they miss out on Anthony Davis after him being their only salvation here at this point of their organization and like the only guy who could really keep LeBron's title window open by trading him to the Clippers. That's the ultimate spite trade, isn't it? It might be. Um, I would respect it. I think, look, here's the thing. Over the last couple of days, I've listened to a couple podcasts. I've been reading up on this. Um, maybe I'm misreading it and the Lakers do have a shot, but I'm sticking to my take over the last couple of weeks, which is that there's just no way New Orleans is going to trade them, trade Anthony Davis to uh, LA. It just isn't going to happen. And they part of that is just a human element of the equation where, you know, Dell Demps is already a lame duck and can't be seen like it's a bad look for the Pelicans to basically be seen as, as the farm system for the Lakers. And there are going to be other suitors who come in with credible offers. And so to me, I felt a little bit crazy listening over the last couple days to all these different people talking about the Lakers as if that's a realistic thing and it's and not only a realistic thing but they should be the favorite like I just don't see it at all and maybe I'll be completely wrong but it just seems well, like so something that's crazy to me who do you think should be viewed as the favorite in terms of teams that might trade for him before the deadline because that's our issue I understand oh we can wait till the summer but let's like focus no, into no. the deadline and then how many of those teams do you think have the backbone to withstand the pressure of the threat he only wants to play for the Lakers because well, I think that's a real a factor here. That is, that is a factor, but that's part of why I don't think it's as plausible as everybody else because the idea that, that Anthony Davis could say, I'm signing with LA in 2020, okay, that's fine. But then that also means that the Lakers have to basically – bide their time and waste another year of peak LeBron holding on to cap space for 2020. And that also requires the Lakers to bet on Anthony Davis following through on his threat to sign with them in 2020. And um, that's a lot of risk, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, and Shadow GM Rich Paul, like I don't know if you feel that comfortable saying, all right, let's just kind of like spin our wheels for another 13 so what you're, months. What you're saying is if you're those guys, you don't want to risk the possibility that LeBron just takes another six weeks next year for some reason. Exactly, exactly. Because I don't know what you do how or how you build a team around these guys who, you, who A, aren't good enough, and B, you've been like openly trying to trade for the last six weeks. I mean, it's going to be tough to... It, if the trade doesn't happen, it's going to be kind of a, a weird situation out there until the summer when those guys will then all be traded. Okay, but is there another team who you think would would hop in and actually do it, part with real assets, enough to get Dell Demps excited to trade him before the deadline, given that the way you've sort of described him as this lame duck and like maybe his last great act is to not trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. It's like the IT guy who like brings down the company network on his last day, <laughs> you know, or like that Twitter employee who was like you know, screwing around with Donald Trump's Twitter account, but you know, the, the disgruntled, you know, yeah. on his way out exit. I forgot and that's about sort of, that. That's how you're paying, or you're painting Dell Demps right now, right? So that Trump who is thing, this? that happened like two years ago and feels like it happened like 10 years ago. Yeah, well, let's not get sidetracked by that. <laughs> is there <laughs> the a team? The internet is aging all of us. Uh, yes, you want a team? All right, here's a team. Why aren't the Knicks like getting really aggressive here? I don't understand it, and I don't understand 
Knicks fans, can I tell you something, Ben? Last their, week. Their prospects are like the only prospects worse than the Lakers' prospects. It's unbelievable, okay? And uh, last week, I had I had an experience. Um, I think I mentioned it to you. You never responded, though. But I was ratioed on Twitter, okay? I wrote something, something very quick. You know, uh, Matt Dollinger and the SI NBA team commissioned, you know, quick trade deadline primers and so i threw together like three questions for the knicks and one of the questions i asked is like would you include kevin knox in a deal to get off of tim hardaway jr's contract um and let me tell you something i wrote in the article knicks fans will probably hate this idea because they've been selling themselves on the idea that knox is like the two-way wing of the future but First of all, if you look at Knox's numbers, like they're not great. He's shooting like 36%. He is averaging Wiggins level assists and I, it's just yeah, not, he's like, not as promising. Yeah, he's a younger, less refined Brandon Ingram. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I got like hundreds of Knicks fans be and I didn't even tweet it, but I was getting added and um anyways. So the Knicks what that told me is that like their fans are in a weird place psychologically after decades worth of uh, front office abuse. And so I understand that the idea of like giving up any sort of future asset is just kind of it, it, like it triggers all sorts of past um, suffering on their part. So I get that element of it. But look, they have a real shot at Kevin Durant. And if they trade for Anthony Davis, they become like the clear favorite to get Kevin Durant. And if they don't get KD but still have Anthony Davis, they're going to have cap space left over to sign superstars or to sign Kemba Walker to play with Anthony Davis and to they're fill not, out the they're, roster. They're not that getting way. superstars. Come on. It, well, like, their their, their <laughs> game on, plan is either somehow luck into an Anthony Davis trade, which I don't see. Sign KD because he's being steered there for whatever marketing reasons. And then past that, that cap space is, is not going to get used. Well, first of all, this is part of why I wrote about the trade Kevin Knox. Because they, I understand the idea that they should hold on to like future first round picks as a, as a hedge against this summer not working out. And then building kind of slowly the right way. But like, if you can look at Kevin Knox and say, this guy is not going to be a star on a title contender. Trade him now. They, they still need to, to to clear space for this summer. They don't have quite enough space to sign even KD, and they need to get off the, the Hardaway contract to have a chance this summer. Um, however, I don't think it's like if you have Anthony Davis sitting there, they could sign Kyrie. If they could sign any number of guys, like the possibilities get pretty interesting and and the idea yeah, of stop going, trying to like prop what, them up though come on they're not what do you mean these guys. what do you mean prop them up who, who have they ever signed come on amari stoudemire you know like come on they're not going to be getting unless it's they have a, some grandmaster plan regime, where the guys right? are yeah it is a new regime and i respect those guys but the owner is still the same i think the coach has been solid there but these guys are the worst team in the league. Anthony Davis says he wants to compete for titles right now. If you can't promise him Kevin Durant and promise him a third star, he doesn't want to have anything to do with that situation. That's about as far away from what he's laying out in his statement through Rich Paul that he wants as you can get. The only arguably farther place to go would be Chicago because they're in an even worse position. Yeah, um, Chicago is an ev- is Chicago truly has never signed anybody and is not a very attractive market um and for whatever reason like i i don't really understand why the bulls have never been able to sign anybody the knicks could do it here's the thing like there's a big difference between trading for like then an injured amari stoudemire i mean you could already sort of see that the athleticism wasn't going to be there through the duration of the deal that they signed him for um but Trading or trading for Mello, trading for um, Stephon Marbury. They've made a lot of hor- horrendous moves over the years. Anthony Davis is like trading for the blue chipper of all blue chippers, the greatest guy to hit the trade market in yeah. 25 to 30 no, you're, years. You're believing the hype too much on Davis, man. I mean, why why is he this good? What do you do? Hold on. He's injured again. His team's under 500 again. Um uh, 
he's going to a Nick situation where he's not going to have help. How's that going to be any different? He's going to have less help than he had in New Orleans. And just on your point on these Knicks prospects, just for the record, there's 482 players in ESPN's Real Plus Minus database. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo Trier is ranked 477 out of 482. <laughs> Frank Nilakina is ranked 478 out of 482. And Kevin okay. Knox is ranked 481 out of 482. Wow. Okay. So you're talking about three of the bottom six players in the league, right? Like if I'm the Pelicans, I'm telling you, man, I'd rather have all of Lonzo Ball's questions. I'd rather have all of the doubts about Brandon Ingram's game. Uh-huh. And a bunch of first-round picks from the Lakers as opposed to what is it going to be? Like an injured Porzingis, you know, rehabbing Porzingis, plus uh, this year's first-round pick, plus one of these guys who's in the bottom 450 players in the NBA? <laughs> That's fair if you're the Pelicans. I don't know if they're going to do that much better than that, though. I mean, that that would give them a player that in Porzingis who can kind of anchor the future. They He's also not going to play this year and is not and they would be able to tank from here on the through april and then you put porzingis drew holiday two top five ish level picks it doesn't even have to be number one that's still that's a ton of value and it's much better than what the lakers are offering here's my question i don't think it's that much better uh to be honest just because of porzingis's health questions and also stylistically they want to have been playing up and down down in new orleans forever you're gonna have a seven foot three guy playing at the fastest pace well in the league. you change I, your I, style I, to fit your personnel yeah. and look, you, you change your coach you change your gm you have to blow the whole thing up i, I mean, do think you do that but if you're blowing the whole thing up gambling on porzingis look like the odds of of new orleans suddenly building a contender five years from now are not great. And so I think they're going to have to gamble here and try to get lucky. Otherwise, the whole future of the franchise down there is, is thrown into uncertainty. Um, and hey, the- can, we, can we go back to this Tatum conversation? Because I think the one actual package that's definitely better than whatever the Lakers can offer, period, is a package from Boston centered around Tatum, which obviously would have to come this summer. If you're yeah. Boston and you've already got Hayward for his his contract, you know you're going to have to pay Kyrie. You know you're going to have to give max money to Davis. Um, you've got to answer this Horford question. Do you really want to part with Jason Tatum this early in his career, not only compared to where he could get in terms of his ceiling as a player, but just in the raw value of his contract in terms of how uh, helpful it is to have a player that young on a rookie deal who is you know, a plus starter level contributor, I would be very, very uh, uh, reluctant to put Tatum into that package. What about you? Um, no way. <laughs> There's no way I'm reluctant to put Jason Tatum into that package. I think Tatum, again, is going to be really, really solid and is probably closer to a 10 to 20 level star than a top 10 top five level star and i think anthony davis is a top five level star who you can then he, pair he, he's with not though. Kyrie. i mean we already agreed he's not top five he has Bro, been top five. come on it's top six <laughs> like fine he's he's an mvp candidate year after year after year and i think if you're boston you already have pieces I mean, I, I, the, the state of Gordon Hayward is a tricky subject right now because there are weeks where he looks like he's going to be okay and he's going to turn a corner. And, you know, the last week has not been great. And so I have no idea how they feel about that and, and what their options there might be. Um, but if you're Boston, you've got Horford, you've got Kyrie, and you've got a, a title window that would be open if you got another star over the next couple of years. And I don't think it is open if they stick with Tatum and Jalen and like the group they have now. Well, so the reason why I raise this question is we saw some reporting from Chris Haynes saying that Anthony Davis doesn't really want to go to Boston or it's not at the top of his list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I was Anthony Davis, I would not want to go to Boston unless Tatum was still there. You know what I mean? Like if I'm getting stuck into a situation where you've got Gordon Hayward's contract on the books, really screwing things up in terms of your ability to improve your talent level, you've got this Horford question and you're going to be locked into three major contracts uh, with you know Kyrie, AD, and Hayward where it's going to be very tricky to you know fill out the rotation around those guys. That doesn't really sound that great to me unless you've already got Tatum kind of locked in uh, as another you know member of a what would be a really killer starting lineup so 
if I'm AD, my interest in going to Boston and re-signing their long-term would be contingent on Tatum not being included. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, and it's a tricky... The other element that the Celtics will have to consider is that Tatum, number one, I, th- I think you mentioned this, is he's a guy who you can build the next 10 years around. And there's real value in that, too. And he's a guy who provides security should Kyrie either leave or get hurt or whatever as long as you have Tatum you can at least sell yourselves on a whole other era um so there's value there and then also Tatum and Kyrie have the same agent and Kyrie's a free agent this summer and I don't know what the politics of that whole relationship is and um and and that's going to be something that like Ainge will have to navigate and um so there's there are variables here that like again to go back to where we began like nobody really knows some of this stuff um but if if all things are equal like don't overthink it Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving could dominate the east and have a good shot against a Warriors team without Kevin Durant um or whoever comes out of the west next year like yeah, but so you're going to build around two guys that play 65 games a year, and you called Anthony Davis an MVP guy year after year. He's not an MVP guy this year. Um, yes, you're correct. <laughs> uh, I look, you look at the the Pelicans roster; it's it's a complete mess, um, and we don't have to have the Anthony Davis argument again. The can I just circle back the one reason. The one thing that I think has been lost in a lot of the Knicks conversation is people just conflating their past mistakes with what this gamble would be. I think, like, if you go in and get Anthony Davis, you're giving yourself a realistic shot at getting a title nucleus out there. And um, that's very different than, like, trading for aging superstars who everyone can see are not going to work out. And I so I, that's why... If, if I'm Boston, I put up Tatum. If I'm New York, I put up Porzingis. The pick is is a trickier thing. I don't know. Like, if, if, So you don't follow the draft very closely. Past Zion Williamson, this is not a very good draft. And the, the new lottery odds, like there's a 12% chance that you get 12 or 14%, whatever. If you have one of the three worst records, that's your shot at number one. So to me, like... I wouldn't feel horrible about trading a pick that that would have a shot at Zion Williamson just because it's a real long shot regardless of where you are. There's no question in my mind I would rather have Zion Williamson for the next nine years, you know, his rookie contract plus an extension, rather than Anthony Davis for the next four years or five years of his career, whatever you could sign him for. If you have that number one pick, I would mm-hmm. keep it. I would not use that. I would not trade it for Anthony Davis. I, I think- agree. I, I can I can definitely get behind that if you have the number one. I'm just talking about in February, before you even get to the lottery. Like there's value um in in just kind of saying, screw it. We're we see the odds and we are gonna cash in now. Um but the Zion versus Anthony Davis question is pretty interesting. I I think it depends, doesn't it? Because if you have On another what? superstar, like uh, if, are we give, are we giving Anthony Davis his perfect health and his MVP status that you're just giving him for no reason? Or are we talking about the real Anthony Davis that Anthony we've been watching Davis, for the last few years? I'm gonna pull up his basketball reference page first of all to figure out how many games he's actually played because he well, hasn't missed as many as you say. It's been a decent number, and you already want to shut him down for the rest of the season. I'm just saying, I want the hype factor of Zion. I want no expectations and pressure uh-huh. of being able to build around Zion. I want Zion's rookie contract for the next four years. I want his ball handling and offensive initiation ability that Anthony Davis doesn't have. I just want everything to do with the Zion Williams uh, Williamson experience, and it's that's no real knock on Anthony Davis. He's a very very good player, and I'm some of yeah. this stuff I'm just jabbing you to see if I can push you over the edge. <laughs> You're getting <But> there. <laughs> we're talking about a guy who hasn't had the postseason success yet, does have regular recurring uh, injury issues, doesn't get to have the ball in his hands as a lead offensive option, and is playing on one of the worst defenses in the entire league. And as much as you want to blame his teammates for that. He bears responsibility there too. Uh, I would just rather, you know, as a value proposition, pay Zion a fraction of that for the next four years and hope that he can become a truly trans- transformational player mm-hmm. than make this AD 
uh, you know, bet right now and hope that my organization can be what helps push him over the top where the Pelicans, you know, kind of had failed in the past. You know what the the variable is with Zion is his ball handling um, because I think you you kind of casually threw it in there. His handle is not where it needs to be for him to play the role that people want him to play and be the like point center Giannis LeBron archetype. And I think maybe it can get there. Um, but don't you think his handle now is better than Giannis's handle at the same age? There's no question. Yeah, but I also think that he's been in like elite development camps and and in that system much longer than Giannis had at that point. Um, so it's it's kind of a flawed comparison. Here, here's the thing. Why? But he's a, he's ahead of a guy who who was able to catch up. I don't think Giannis is the world's best ball handler, but if you're trying to play an up and down style in transition, Zion's going to be able to grab rebounds and go. Yeah. I don't think any, anybody's going to be stopping I, him there. And I don't think anyone's you know if you're calling him a point center, it's not that he's the only. He's not going to be James Harden. You know, he's not the only no, guy no, no. who gets to touch the ball. You're going to have other ball handlers kind of supporting him. You know, in an ideal framework. I'm not um, trying to debunk Zion. I I it's more. What I'm interested in is that I think a lot of times we focus on whether guys can shoot when, in fact, the most important skill for a big guy who is going to be who's going to have the ball in his hands is ball handling and the ability to kind of break people down off the dribble and score that way. And that's one of the reasons Ben Simmons is great. That's one of the reasons Giannis is great. So um, and, and Zion is a really good creator, which I think has caught a lot of people off guard. Here's the thing, though. To your point about Zion versus Anthony Davis, I think it's a really good question. But if you have, um, if you have Kyrie, if you have Kevin Durant, that's that's when you have to start saying like, how much could we win with Zion versus how much could we win with Anthony Davis? And I, and I think the calculus changes big in, if, ifs, if that's the Andrew. conversation you're having because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like. The next five years versus the next 15 years. And for the next five years, if I had another superstar and I was trying to go win something that actually matters, I would rather have Davis. No, I hear what you're saying, but those are some major assumptions. Like, we're just going to hand them Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I mean, I'm not sure the Knicks can be just angling going into the summer expecting any of those things to no, happen. No, no, no. I'm saying if you have either either one of those guys, and then you have to start well, thinking about the near future. No, that, that's that's totally fair. Hey, here's a question for you. If you were Anthony Davis, would you rather play with KD in New York or LeBron in L.A.? And this is including everything, on court, off court. You know, the fact that the East is going to be easier, so you're probably going to the finals. I mean, if, if you're weighing all factors just for you know next season, would you rather play with KD on the Knicks or LeBron on the Lakers? It's a very tricky question uh, because I think – you're probably going to be more famous if you go and play with LeBron in L.A. Um, and I think that does matter to him. I think that's one of the reasons he brought on Rich Paul. And, you know, you see some yeah. of the, the interviews and, he's done. And it should, Andrew, because right now he's 15th in jersey sales, 12th in all-star votes, no signature sneaker. Those things so, are changing if he plays for the Lakers, period. Yeah, and I actually I saw the column you wrote on that, um, and I've seen other people talk about his Q rating. The other thing that needs to be discussed is, like, I don't know, you and I follow basketball pretty closely. I don't know anything about Anthony Davis, the person. I, he has almost no personality. He's kind of a wallflower and... Uh, so that's one where, like, I don't totally blame New Orleans, and I don't think that suddenly landing in L.A. or New York is going to open up some whole new world of possibility for him. I think he may think that's how this is going to go. Um, but that's a separate point. I would go to New York purely because of the basketball fit, and this is one where we've talked about it in the past. Like, I don't know, LeBron and, and Anthony Davis are two incredible players but they like to be in the same spots on the court a lot of the times. And uh, and I think playing inside out with KD would be the better blueprint to actually kind of move forward with a with an Anthony Davis super team. You know, you know how much I love KD and respect his game. I would worry that if those are your two best players and you just have sort of a league average point guard, you know, yeah. in that spot, that it would come at Anthony's expense rather than KD's expense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that does make sense. 
I, I think that there would be a significant advantage for LeBron in terms of being able to set up and make uh, Anthony Davis's life easier. I mean, you could just pencil them in for five alley-oops a game, right? And I, and I do wonder, you know, if KD gets back into a post-Warriors reality where he doesn't have to, like, play their, the right way and mm-hmm. he can just sort of do whatever he wants to do, he's going to be taking 25 shots a game, right? <laughs> like, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> so <laughs> if I was so Anthony Davis, fun. that would make me a little bit nervous too, right? Uh, yeah, so but wouldn't I mean aging LeBron would also make me a little nervous. I mean, 100%. He's, yeah, for so. sure. The ages are more aligned in New York and I also think you know, if you're in New York and you're going to the finals multiple years in a row where it's not like you're going to have this titanic showdown with the Warriors in the second round or the conference finals, but mm-hmm. you're on the grand stage, um you're bringing Madison Square Garden back. Like there is a lot of benefit to be found in that. Yeah, um, I, and I think that either one of those options are cool with Anthony Davis. The, the Celtics thing, do you buy the idea that he doesn't want to play in Boston? Because I'm not sure I do. Um, I'm not buying it all the way. Look, I buy it more than this idea that Kyrie's going to the Lakers. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of Lakers-centric smoke that's going out that's there right the thing. now. There, there's some stuff out there where I'm like, this just seems completely insane, but maybe I'm the idiot. Like it's so it's so far around the bend that I'm like, wow, maybe I'm missing something, and I'm I'm the one who needs to kind of like look closer at this. I don't know. No, to me, the Gordon Hayward thing really screws up Boston's situation because yeah. unless they can trade him and just dump that salary somehow so that they can sort of retool, there's not really any way to maneuver around that. You have to view him as one of their central pieces, and so. Um, you know, if I'm trying to like go to a situation where they're going to be able to build everything around me, Hayward's a significant impediment to that. Right. And it's like, if you really want to play with Kyrie, the options that you're describing of trying to go team up in New York, that that's going to be a cleaner situation. There's less dead money. You're going to be able to go out and find other pieces, you know, arguably a, a bigger market there, uh, you know, with New York compared to Boston. So, uh, those would be the kinds of things that would make me a little bit nervous uh, if I was a Celtics fan and, and the Tatum factor that I mentioned earlier too. Um, speaking of nervous Celtics fans, my favorite tweet from the week of Anthony Davis, and it actually is not about Anthony Davis. It's about these Kyrie rumors. It's this guy, a Celtics fan saying, Kyrie did a commercial dedicated to his dad saying that he wants to win championships in Boston and have his number in the rafters. He would be dishonoring his dad to go back on his word now. Let's see what truly matters most to him. So that's where Celtics fans are right now. And it's got to be a weird time. I'm sure, like I said, like a, 10 days ago, there's got to be a lot of mixed feelings that are being suppressed regarding Kyrie. Um, but I, I love how weird it's getting for them. And I don't want to, I, I do still think that Anthony Davis is going to end up on the Celtics and they're going to be a title team next year. But if it did go completely sideways, and this was all the curse of the Isaiah Thomas trade, and that's how we remember this 10 or 15 years from now, that would be fine with me too as a Wizards fan. Yeah, you know, just reality check. You know, the NBA media has gotten to the point where we're sitting around here talking for an hour about LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis, three guys who aren't even playing right now because they're injured. Meanwhile, Golden State hasn't lost a game in however long because they're basically unstoppable. We don't even get to mention them. It drives me crazy, Andrew. I was thinking about that actually. I think that's this is all kind of a byproduct of the this crazy Warriors era that we're living through where like we all we have is this reality TV side of the NBA because the actual like nuts and bolts X's and O's who's going to win the title that conversation is pretty quick these days like now that Golden State is healthy now that Draymond Green looks like himself again I don't know what you're going to do with the Warriors and so now like we do have to kind of live in the shadows and wonder what the hell is going to happen in the next 18 months. So on this subject of the Warriors and the Lakers and so forth, I did a little interview with Magic Johnson this week where he got up on his high horse and he said, you know, the Warriors really haven't done anything yet. The Showtime Lakers dominated for a decade. Uh, You know, we had more titles and finals appearances. You know, they're not quite there yet. How did that strike you? Does that seem like the wrong time to be poking the bear a little bit? You know, it was just pure Lakers, so I appreciated it. I mean, look, this is the team that has always been like full-blown delusional. 
I was talking to somebody, um, I, I was with Mark Medina, who's a, now a Warriors writer, but he wrote for the Lakers and covered the Lakers for a couple years back when Kobe was playing. Like, what strikes me about that is, like, I've always liked the Lakers, ironically, because they're just so crazy, and they'll, like, whether it's Kobe or Magic, like, they'll say crazy shit, and you're just like, wow, these these guys are great characters. But then you walk around L.A., and people believe it. Like, it's it's a sincere thing. People talk about the, the 80s Lakers as if the NBA, like, wouldn't exist without them. And, I, and so that's how I read the magic quote. It's like, all right, like, you guys had some good teams, but, like, the, the Warriors are about to win four titles in five years. And, like, God only knows what the next five years will look like. This is this era yeah, is going to be they're, on par. They're going to win nine out of ten if you keep like daring them to stay together. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, like I don't know, man. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be kind of like second guessing the Golden State dominance. This is kind of tough to argue with. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. There's a lot of speaking it into existence going on in, in Southern California right now. Lavar didn't uh, invent that, but he might have uh, popularized that, <laughs> yeah, well, that slogan. I mean, the, the whole Lakers, Lakers universe is in on it. <laughs> like the only the only thing they've successfully spoken into existence is LeBron, right? And LeBron kind of wanted to be there for all kinds of different reasons. So I don't know. Maybe it is time to switch up the strategy. How did you read it, sitting in the room? Um. I mean, he is um, uh, just the most charismatic person uh, that I think I've ever spent any real amount of time with. No offense to you, uh, you're probably you're probably second. There you go. Uh, but the whole time you're just thinking, like, okay, what's his angle? You know, right. because we know how sharp elbowed he is. We know how cutthroat he is. We know his views on the NBA's tampering policies. And that was actually one of the funny things. There was a few other people in the room, one person whose whole job was just to tell him not to tamper. And mm-hmm. he kept overruling the anti-tampering person. To be like, no, <laughs> so like, no, 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 I could talk about this. No, 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 I could talk about this. So that That's was um, awesome. a little That's behind the scenes uh, like inside an, baseball. Like an NFL coach who has like the challenge expert standing next to him for the entire game. That's perfect. Uh, a hundred percent. So, uh, no, but I, his confidence and his like pure belief that the Lakers should run the NBA universe now and forever is unquestionable. Like, I think that that is right there. His competitive drive is no different than it was, you know, during his playing days. I mean, I, I think he is basically out for blood right now. And every time I want to just say, okay, well, you know the Pelicans. There, there's no way they're just going to hand Anthony Davis to him. Then it just makes me wonder, like, what does Magic have like up his sleeve? Like, is there some like weird Dell Dems, you know, twist that he's going to be able to like <laughs> just force Anthony Davis to come to LA? I don't know. It, it just it, you get sucked into the vortex a little bit. The closer you are to to it, the harder it is to resist. I know, and that's why I love walking around talking to Kobe fans, saying, "Yeah, he is, like people really believe that Kobe is like a top five guy all time." If you talk <laughs> to them in L.A., and maybe Magic would. I have no idea. Andrew, they retired both of his jerseys. It's unbelievable, um, and I love that it exists. It's again something that makes the whole NBA landscape a lot of a lot more fun um the question i would i would have at the end here and by the way like my my legitimate conclusion on all this lakers stuff is like we're probably in an emperor has no clothes situation with both lebron magic potentially like the influence of rich paul and his ability to like manifest this for uh anthony or for lebron i i I don't buy any of it. Um, we'll see. They, I wouldn't be that shocked if it happened a week from now. Um, but the last question I have, like, do you think a deal actually gets done in the next week? I've had a really hard time handicapping this. Um, if I'm New Orleans, like I said, I would try to do it. I would try hard to do it. I think it's in their best interest. I know that runs counter to a lot of what other people are saying, but... I see real value in just moving forward. I don't trust Dell Demps to see that same value, right? And yeah. so unless there's somebody else making the decisions, unless the owner steps forward, um, I do think it's probably more likely that this this goes to the summer. But I think that that would be basically a lose, lose, lose for everybody. It's a lose for Davis because he doesn't get to play in the playoffs. 
it's a lose for the Pelicans because they're just going to be stuck in this same purgatory that they've been in. And it's a lose for whatever team was going to add Anthony Davis and be able to really shake up the playoff picture. So I am not only as somebody who wants the Lakers to not be as atrocious as they are right now, mm-hmm. um, but as somebody just in general who wants the, the NBA to be more interesting, I am rooting for a trade. Okay. Um, I'm definitely rooting for a trade. And yeah, look, you're at Lakers games every night. So you win big if suddenly you go from watching Kuzma and Josh Hart. Like, poor Josh Hart. He's my guy, man. But he has not shot the ball well this season. Um, Ingram, though, you know, let's end there. (laughs) Ingram was great last night. And it was a reminder that he could still be Mm. great somewhere else. You've been riding high ever since you had a conversation with with Kevin Pelton like 10 days ago where he threw out the Wiggins comp the Jeff Green comp I think he wrote it today let me just say once Brandon Ingram goes to a team that is going to have him taking the right shots and actually getting to the line and taking more threes he's going to be a good player I am not giving up on Brandon Ingram and I don't think everyone else is going to look stupid like five years from now Yeah, I mean, you hit it. The fundamental problem with Brandon Ingram right now, and, you know, go ahead and prepare to groan, Andrew. The fundamental problem is that he's a Noah's Ark player. Everything is two by two by two by two. No ones, no threes. So he can go out there and shoot. He can go out there and shoot 85% from the field like he did against the Sixers. And the Lakers aren't even competitive. He can have the best game of his entire life, a career high, but it comes two by two by two by two, I'm just like so Noah's Ark. I'm so glad this is at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm disgusted with you right now. <laughs> and it's irrelevant. It doesn't even matter. And I like his game. I'm pulling for him. We need to have an intervention on his shot selection, and we need to get him more comfortable at the free throw line so he wants the contact. This guy shies from contact, even on jump shots, because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line because he can't make his free throws. I know. The free throws we got to work on for sure this summer. Just remember, Brandon, ones and threes, not just two by two (laughs) by two. No more Noah's Ark life. All right, well, that's a good place to end. We've been all over the place today. Ben and I have been very busy the last couple days. Uh, We will be back Friday, though, with a more organized pod. We'll follow up on the latest Anthony Davis news and uh, hit a bunch of other stuff as well. So, Ben, thank you. Open floor mail at gmail.com. Open floor mail at gmail.com for all your follow-up Anthony Davis questions, comments, concerns, and everything else that's going around the uh, NBA. Let us know. Open floor mail at gmail.com. Also, don't forget about the lantern, Andrew. It'll probably be coming back on the next episode at Ben.Golliver on Instagram. Also, check us out on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find our page, scroll down. It will say rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. Andrew, I've been looking at our reviews. The people are hearing me say this, but they're not taking action. We need to get some more reviews out there. Bang that five stars for us. It really helps us spread the word. Also, I didn't forget, and you didn't forget, Andrew. We're on the world famous radio.com slash open floor. Check us out on there. Until later this week, I'll talk to you. All right, man. Take it easy.